Well, hey, and welcome to episode four. If you've made it this far, you're in for a real treat because today we're going to be talking to Scott Dormus Evans from HBarC. That's right. What's HBarC, you ask? I didn't know until the podcast, but apparently it's a jean company almost as old, if not older, than Levi's. Uh, and so this is one of their ambassadors that was out at the uh, Barber Motorsports Vintage Fest in the Isle of Triumph, and we got a chance to talk to him. So check it out. How about that, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we're good? We're All good. right, Scott, welcome. Welcome to Bad Beard's Basement. Bad Beard's Basement. Bad Beard. I am Sam. I am Bad Beard. I love it. It's good to meet you, Sam. Pleasure. And so yeah. we're obviously here at uh, the Isle of Triumph. The race has just started, thankfully. Yes. So we can yell at each other. Right. But uh, so where are you coming from? Who are you? What are you doing? I am in this capacity this weekend. I am the roadie for HBarC Vending over there, which is the oldest Western wear company in the world, other than Levi Strauss. Other than like just in, in line or older or younger? They started in 1897, Whoa. producing working clothes for working cowboys, and then that immediately turned into the Wild West shows, think Annie Oakley, Wild Bill Hickok. They wanted their same clothes to be a little more dramatic with hanging pockets with arrows and fancy cuffs and all the piping and all of that kind of stuff. And then that turned into Roy Rogers, Dale Evans, Gene Autry, the movies. And then it rolled right into Nashville, Porter Wagner, Little Jimmy Dickens. And by that point in the late 40s, early 50s, the whole kind of style was set and it's been the same till now. H bar C. H bar C. So based in? Nashville is Nashville. home base, yeah. Yeah. And so you just look like a cowboy all the time? No. No. Uh, right, only when I'm kind of a closed horse when I'm at the shows. Okay. But my main gig is a singer-songwriter out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, what are we singing and writing about? Life. I see you have a Stoics book here. Yeah. Which, so I kind of, one of my favorite influences is Marcus Aurelius. Diogenes, Epictetus, yep. all of the great Stoic masters. I kind of try to infuse daily themes, bucolic scenes of everyday life okay. with the same kind of uh, worldview things, you know what I mean? Well, so I appreciate then you sitting on my couch uh, being a, a, a cool person for a casual conversation. We're gonna fuse some of these philosophers in our, in our dialogue here. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, so I, I obviously built this space, right? And this yes. is my basement. Um, but these little accents are just trying to show that maybe we're meeting here at Barber uh, Vintage Motorsports Park. Maybe we're surrounded by motorcycles. Maybe this is the theme of the weekend. However, I want my show to have a little more dynamices to it. That like the conversations can ebb and flow around things that we share mutually interesting, but yes. ultimately have some foundation in a, uh, a grander view than just the surface level bullshit. Right. The, to live in the moment, but to be grounded in the ages. Hey. Kind of a as the lovely bumblebee cruises through. Is that a wood bore? I think these are wood bore. Then they're stoked when they found this place. Yeah. <laughs> you do have a lovely space. You built all this? Yeah, yeah me and, uh, me and my, my partner, Alan, put this project together. We're, uh, we're both uh, stuntmen in, in the uh, SAG industry. Oh, Yeah, beautiful. the film business. He's a big DJA director, and uh, he's been working for many moons. I'm fresh to the business. I've been working in film and TV for some time, my, my kind of, company Badbeard is a production company 
but uh, moving to Atlanta, I began working with him, but it's on strike. So we yeah. got a lot of free time. A lot of free time. Yeah. Um, wrecking bikes on purpose. That's it. That's what y'all do. Well, and so I got all my practice wrecking bikes on accident, and so I'm just bringing it to the big screen. Well, I mean, once you hone a craft and get your I skills I tell you there. what, you call me, I deliver. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so uh, your time writing and, and singing, that's that's been forever? It started in, like, the early 90s in Stillwater, Oklahoma, at Oklahoma State University. Um, we had a little hippie jam band of rednecks. Um, we played everything from Merle Haggard to Jimi Hendrix. And we started writing original songs right off the bat. There was a, a real strong community of original songwriters around at that time. And without even realizing what a, what a lucky thing it was, I had some really good teachers. And I just kind of followed in that path. Quit about 1999, raised a daughter. She went off to college and I gave up my carpentry career and went back to performing. And I just released my solo debut album this earlier this year you can find it oh i can't wait to it's you if you look for scott dormis evans it's d-o-r-m-i-s it was my dad's first name and they gave it to me as a middle name and i am the only scott dormis evans on the internet that How i can convenient. find convenient that's handy right yeah. in this day and age of marketing and branding yeah. it's real hard you think nobody's come up with that name and you look for it and it's out there boy yeah. and even uh bad beard people are always impressed that i got just bad beard really yeah and yeah. it was, uh, I guess it was at the time, it was, beards weren't so hip yet. Like, there was a period, like, obviously beards have been around forever, right? It's not like <laughs> I came up with beards. However, specific to what was popular or culturally cool yeah. at the time, beards weren't, like, the, the in thing yet. Yeah. And so this would have been, like, 2008, I suppose. And so I just had this massive beard. And so I, I got a lot of grief, like, flying around airports and different things like that. It wasn't so normal yet. But Bad Beard was available, and I got it on all social platforms. Oh man! I know. No, you really, you really nailed one right there. I got that one. Yeah. Is this the, is this the condition of the beard, or was it even bigger and fuller? At the time, it was a very big beard. Okay. Yeah, and Did I. Had, you, was it waxed? No, and this is actually the most manicured it's ever been. Really? Because you see, uh, my partner Alan, you that other guy I'm uh -huh. running around with, the yeah. hat and the beard. Yeah. His is immaculate, and so mine, just by nature, is just kind of going. And so I started just trying to dial it in a little bit so I could, you know, compete with that. Yeah, but, I mean, it's uh, tough. Yeah, yeah. but it, it, was, it was a big beard, and I, at the time I had a partner that actually had a bad beard, like he couldn't grow a beard. And so we were collectively. Well, see, I'm one of these guys that gets wispies right here. Yeah. This will grow, like, as far down as it grows out, but okay. it doesn't have the balance of the chops. So you, I've got, I think I outdo you in the bad beard for real, right? Because I don't have the presence, but. Hey, I'll take the, anybody looking for the title is welcome to it. I got beard envy. I'll just come right out and say it. <laughs> I look at, well, going back to the classics, those beautiful ringlet beards that yeah. look like they were permed, you know, from the ancient Greeks. Can you imagine come what they on. were putting in their beards though? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> to have those thoughts yeah. at that time in life. So what would this have been, uh, whatever year it was, that they could... Second century BC, right? Sit and philosophize with just such right. wispy wonder. Gorgeousness, gloriousness. I would say there was a number of drugs being taken that, was, that had a different name at the time to let their mind just... I think all they had was alcohol and psilocybin. Is all that they That's had That's all you need, man. Them. But what can you not do with, yeah. the, with that combination? Absolutely. That's Tobacco funny. was unknown to them. Okay. Yeah. 
I don't know that to be true. I thought tobacco. That seems came, accurate. I'm not going to say. I thought no. it came from North America. That seems accurate. No, the Chinese had it. The peyote, opium. See, my background isn't in uh, hardcore drugs. So I'm not so hip to the culture of, of where and when, but somebody does. And well, now you got me wondering though about the tobacco, because I know that tomatoes existed in North America and nobody in Europe had seen them. So when you think about Italian food, oh my, being based in tomatoes. That only began after Columbus came back. That's true. From the first trip. And they all went, Mamma Mia, look at this. And then they came up with, right? <laughs> and now they're just still stirring right now. Still stirring. Yeah. So then back to HBarC. We could sit yeah. and talk about you all day. Yeah. But uh, HBarC here is a good fit just because of, much like our distinguished gentlemen, dressing up and looking nice uh, in line with Triumph and kind of their, yes. their elevated Aesthetic is that would that fair to a say? A little, a little bit of swag. It's, I mean, it kind of gravitates towards performers, right? From western shows to movie stars to country and western artists, and then it from there it expanded out into rockabilly, punk. Uh, a lot of different people kind of pick it up, and it's sort of a mainstream. It's kind of a wardrobe or a uniform for musicians around the world. Really, mm -hmm. this look is pretty well established. Does it have a uh, a title? Just western wear. And it's yeah. just Western. We're not like a I mean, rockabilly style. Not really. No. There's there's things like hanging pocket. If you ever see the square buttons. Yep. Square buttons. The sometimes the pockets, the flat pockets, will have two notches and two buttons. They call that a sawtooth. This is the yoke. When you see the Western wear, so they oh, got all these names for you know the various aspects that have yeah. come along over the years. And collectors, you know, collectors that see that HBarC brand go nuts because it's one of the oldest one of the most sought after there's also uh rock mount is in denver they are they're the other oldest company around and then there's millers and eli planes and on and on and on yeah well so you're still making new new apparel and garments this is all new they're kind of taking classic old designs some of their most popular stuff from the 30s 40s whatever era and reproducing it right and focusing on quality the whole idea of this stuff is to make it as high quality as it has ever been in its hundred year history. And so a brand like that with the, the pedigree in place, how much is a shirt like that going for? Well, you can kind of gauge it by the more stitching, the more buttons, the more uh, uh, stitching, the decorative stitching on it, the higher the price. These run about 130. Okay. Not too bad, really. It's made out of tinsel. Ooh. So that's the fibers. It's softer than I thought it was gonna be. Fibers of eucalyptus trees, and I can, I never wore them on a hot day like this in the sun, especially a black shirt. Yeah. Everyone told me, said, you should give that a try because it breathes incredibly well. And having touched it, I thought it was going to be much denser. Yeah. It's very light, very breathable. Oh. So it'll keep you warm if it's brisk, if it's cool out. If you're sweating, it'll wick the moisture away. Yeah. It, it's pretty uh, pretty good fabric, I got to say. And so then they found their, their way into onto film sets and costumes and then the, the, the national stage performers. and Right. And basically the market share for Western wear steadily rose from the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, all the way up into the eight, into the 80s, and then Urban Cowboy hit. Yeah. And it went, it was a vertical line. Whoa. And European designers got into, Halston was making Western wear. And the production quality, the design aspect, everything went up. Mm -hmm. And everybody wanted it, and then a year later, nobody would touch it and it went right and it took a few years to get back to where it had been before urban cowboy 
but the design and the production quality, all of that had gotten elevated because they got, they, they all of a sudden were competing with the best people yeah. in the in the globe around so the world. So hit center stage, yeah. and they had to stay there. Yeah. So then, that, when it fell off, that's just because like all things, it's cyclical and fads, and so yep. Urban Cowboy got it hyped, and then it equally everybody wants it, and then everybody's got it now. Nobody wants it. Right. It's like that. Where is it at right now? Kind of back at it's. It, it always just fluctuates, but right now, with the Barbie movie just came out, they pulled one of HBRC's designs, one of their classic ones called the Taos, I think, uh, yeah, um, that Ken wears in that movie. It's the one with the tassels and the little flowers on yep. there, a black and white one, they make it in all colors. That has punched it back up. Everybody sees that and goes nuts and wants a little bit of that style, but it's it's kind of even keel. It stays about the same. Interesting. Yeah. And normally we vend at music festivals, right? We're the mobile uh, branch of the of the company. They got the home base in Nashville. They just opened up a store in Hollywood on Sunset Strip, just east of uh, the music venues, the yep. Roxy and whatnot. You know where that's at. I do. And, um, we're the mobile branch. We go to music festivals. Because musicians wear this, and they also happen to be the biggest collectors of it, when they find out we're out in the, you know, vendor row at the music festival, they'll come trucking on I'm out sure. there. And so we've gotten to meet a lot of those guys, you know, along the way. And it's kind of like for the guys that want this style, they're just always going to be wearing it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just a staple. It's definitely, uh, if I open up my closet, I'll find a few pieces similar to that. Yeah. But uh, I'm probably a man of... A, more of a man of, of uh, practicality in the moment where I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to be sweaty today. I know yep. what I'm going to, and so that's just generally where I go. Alternatively, I touch, I touched it. You're not sweating near as much as me right now, so maybe I got it all wrong. Well, it's good to have diversity. Yeah. You seem like a man of diversity. I have lots of hats. You need a many. lot of different looks, and you can mix and match them, right? Some people are just, this is, this is their look. Um, I was a fashion train wreck before all of this. Before I got with my partner um, that runs this booth, she's the boss, I'm just the roadie. I think I mentioned that earlier. <laughs> what we, the reason, the way she got hooked up with this company was my buddies had got her searching for vintage Western wear, right? Um, because she's a picker. She, she just is one of those people that goes around the country and finds anything of value in all kinds of different genres. And so she started collecting a bunch of this cool old vintage, right? They showed her what was cool, told her what they wanted. And one thing led to another, and I was playing a little bitty festival back in Oklahoma, and we were gonna go camp for four days, and she said, I'm gonna go pop up a little tent, see how I do. Well, I made like $300 playing with two different bands, and she made 800, right? And we had a great time, and immediately the bulb went off, and she said, I think this would work festival vending yeah. and she got accepted into the luck reunion which is one of the most exclusive high-end festivals on w willie nelson's private property there right outside of austin right before COVID hit yeah and so that one got shut down and canceled um and we weathered COVID, and when she came back she got into hinterland in iowa she got into blues and brews and telluride these are very difficult like they have waiting lists for vendors yeah and she managed to get in there just by having a kick-ass you know booth with the kind of thing that people want it was yeah. just such a value add for the festival goers plus the musicians 
she was doing a marketing campaign where she gave away a twenty five dollars shirt to any musician that wanted one yeah and so that got those guys coming we've met people from molly uh tuttle to tyler childers band some of these guys we still stay in contact with so that's great it's just been a lot of fun and somewhere along the way she got a hold of the guy that owns hbarc because it was succeeding so well she was worried about stock and wanting to know if maybe she could get an easier source than to go find all this stuff vintage and sure enough he talked to her for 10 minutes and said you know what you sound like somebody that i'd need working for me i'm going to just send you some some shirts and inventory oh, and you great. see what you do with it and yeah. a year later he just hired her that's great so that's how we ended up and now you're on the road now we're on the road road dog we've driven by the we're on track to drive forty thousand miles this past year Woo. so yeah i think this is our 15th festival or event we popped up are you going time. home every time or are you full circle oh no basically it's five six weeks out come home for a day or a week and then right back out yeah so so Road what's dog. the what's the next uh, echelon? Not the next stop, but like the after here, we're gonna go back to the home office in Nashville, do a little bit of inventorying and just whatever, do some work, and then we go to the last festival of the year is the Highway 30 Music Festival in Fort Worth. Yeah, Americana, Red Dirt. Yeah. Then you gear up for next year. We'll see. <laughs> it's it's. It's explosive, you never know. Yeah. Well, this whole year was like, she laid out half of it and the rest of it popped up as we were yeah. underway. So it's pretty dynamic. Well, then uh, your time here at, at Barber, was this uh, akin to, a little different than the festival experience, different crowd? Totally different, completely different. But that's part of the strategy with this is, it's not all retail sales, a lot of it is just marketing. So we're reaching out and trying different things along the way. Um, like a rock concert in Pittsburgh that was mostly pop, modern stuff, yeah. um, stuff like this, those kinds of things. And there's a lot of marketing to that. So we're kind of just educating people about the brand. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I, I think, I don't know if, if Cody's listening right now, but this would probably be a great time if you want to just put a pin in that and we'll pop out and take a walk down and, and check out some threads. Let's do it. Yeah. Go mobile. Let's go mobile. We're going mobile.